Hello. So, John has already started us on the fruits of the spirit, and we have done so far love, joy, peace. So today, it's patience. He's put it up. <laughs> okay. When John first asked me to speak on patience, just momentarily, I was really happy about that until I re realized it was about the fruit of the spirit and not my work life. I could have talked to you about my patience forever on that. <laughs> and I'm not a particularly patient person, so I actually felt very ill-prepared for this particular one. But we've all experienced patience, or the lack of it, since we started life. As little ones, we probably said, are we nearly there yet? Or cried when something didn't happen at the very moment we thought it should. I'm hoping as adults we don't do that. <clears throat> as an adult, I do get impatient with things. Computers that don't behave. In fact, I shout at them. It doesn't make a lot of difference, but, you know, I do lose my temper with them. Gadgets that don't do what I ask them to. The weather that's sunny when I want rain and raining when I want sun. Then there are the people I get impatient with. Children who don't respond to important messages. People in queues who keep me waiting. And I could fill the rest of the time with other drivers. That's, that's the place where I think my mum was first shocked <laughs> to see my behaviour behind the wheel towards the other people on the road. I'm working on it. <laughs> I know it's wrong. But surely there's going to be another aspect to it. The dictionary definition is this. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. That's a starting place for us because the Bible says just a little bit more. According to my research, there are two words translated into patience from the Greek and Hebrew, and apologies for the pronunciation. Hupomone and macrothumia. And they both have just a slightly different uh, cast to them. Hupomone comes from, um, sorry, comes from the root word hupo, which means under, and meno, which means remain or endure. It literally means to stay under. And it's sometimes translated as endurance, steadfastness, or perseverance. It's the quality of enduring or remaining under challenges and difficult circumstances. So it's a lot stronger in meaning than simply tolerating. Uh, and it occurs 32 times in the New Testament. I gave you that because I know John likes his... Um, statistics. 
Macrothumia comes from the root word macros, which means long, and thumos, which means passion, anger, or temper. It literally means long passion or long temper, and it's sometimes translated as long-suffering. A person with macrothumia can burn for a long time, which means they can endure for a while without giving in to anger. It's the opposite of short-tempered, which is a phrase we recognise. Again, a lot stronger than simply not getting annoyed or irritated. And macrothumia occurs 14 times in the New Testament. Strangely, patience doesn't occur an awful lot in the Old Testament, but a lot in the New. So if we take all the extra meanings into the word patience, the Bible has got rather a lot to say about it. Um, I did say to John, I could potentially talk for hours. (laughs) It's okay. We'll just pick out some things for you. First, God shows his patience towards us, mankind. In 1 Peter 3, verse 9, it says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's a picture or an example for us. God has every right to punish us for our sin, but instead has provided a way out and is waiting patiently for everyone to turn to him. There's an element of slowing down here, maybe a help when we need to exercise patience would be to slow down and see what the consequences might be. Slow down and think, is this really important to lose my patience over? Will it be important in a couple of days or weeks? And what damage might we wreak in the meantime? In the Old Testament, Psalm 37, the psalmist waits patiently for God to do his work, to bring about his will and plans. And that, for me, I think is closely linked with trust. If there's something we desperately want or have been praying for for a long time, trust in a God who we know sees and understands and loves us can help us to be patient So I think if you're feeling impatient or you're being impatient about something rather than perhaps other people, trusting God is really helpful. Being impatient can often bring unpleasant consequences. I was thinking a simple example would be baking a cake. If you cream the butter and sugar together and you can't be bothered to wait for it to do properly and then you put the eggs and the flour in and put it in the oven, your cake won't rise. Straightforward. If you're standing at the side of the road and the red pedestrian light's on, 
but you want to cross now, well, there could be dire circumstance consequences. And in that particular illustration, not just to yourself, which is another reminder maybe that patience isn't just all about you. <laughs> there are many examples in the Bible of both patience and impatience. Again, I've just picked. I've picked Esau, the firstborn son of Isaac. Isaac, well, start with Abraham. Abraham was filthy rich. So Isaac inherited all of that. And then it also says that God blessed him in his life. So he was filthy rich plus. He had a lot. Esau was due to inherit all of this on his father's death. And you know the story. One day he came in from a hunt and he was starving hungry. I'm sure he wasn't actually starving. So with a bit of persuasion from his brother who offered him immediate food... He signed over his inheritance. He bitterly regretted this later, but had to live with the consequences. Another pointer to being slow or taking your time to react or make a decision that could have long-reaching consequences. And while we're on the subject of eating, not being able to wait for your food... This happened in the Corinthian church. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 11. The congregation were all arriving to meet together. And those who got there first were eating and drinking. So that by the time the people who normally come late or who've been busy or for what reason came, there was nothing left to eat. And some of the first people were drunk. And Paul says, your meetings do more harm than good. So I've just written a little sentence here. To be patient can involve self-discipline. In James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11, it says this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So we have some examples here of patient people. The prophets from the Old Testament went through all sorts of persecution I think particularly of Jeremiah, who got thrown into a muddy well. Um, but he wasn't the only one. There was so much going on. 
and people were just not interested in listening to God a lot of the time. But they kept going. They dug in. That's why I mean it's more than just tolerating. It's about digging in and really enduring. They are then counted in the Bible as blessed. Job suffered and endured and kept holding on to God. And finally, it says, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Farmers are patient. They don't go harvesting their crops before they're ready. How stupid would that be? And yet, could our impatience seem stupid if we look back on our lives? But these verses in James give us hope that there's a positive to be had from being patient. Patience helps us grow. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and that's your patience there. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So patience helps us grow. Patience or perseverance produces character in us. James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So patience helps us grow. Patience produces character in us, and it makes us mature and complete. You can see that it's um, an ongoing process there. It's not like a tick box. We haven't done patience and go on to the next one. Patience can be seen as being weak or passive. But if you read what it says in the Bible about patience, it doesn't come over that way at all. Paul, when he was writing to the church at Colossae, prays, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So we need to be strengthened with all power in order to have great endurance and patience. I think you can probably agree with that. We need power to make us patient and to help us to endure. And in Hebrews 12, you've got the picture of the race, where you persevere in the race. That's a very physical image. So it's not weak, it's not passive. 
It's about digging in. It's about growing. It's about needing strength to do it. So we started with the example of God being patient towards us. God, when he lived on earth, was the very image of patience. Jesus was patient with his disciples, including the twelve. So he was patient with the crowd of disciples and the twelve, despite their lack of faith, their slowness to to recognize and understand his mission. And you just think back to the things they talked about, um, the things they questioned Jesus about. They saw a miracle. They came to the same place with a second miracle, and they still didn't understand that he was the answer. And he told them he was going to die and be resurrected, and they didn't get that. But he just loved them and nurtured them. And he's such an example of how patient we should be with other people. Um, And it wasn't... They were close to him. They were living with him all the time. So you don't have to just be patient with people you don't know very well. You need to be patient with the people you're living with. Do as I say, (laughs) not as I do. Uh, He was patient with the multitudes because they pushed and shoved to be near him. He fed them when they were hungry. He didn't say, the important bit is to listen to this and learn from it. He understood them. He was patient. He was patient with the woman caught in adultery. He was also patient with her accusers. He took his time for people to work it out for themselves maybe that would work in your life with somebody who's bothering you. Uh, He was patient with people who just wanted his healing power and that's all they could see him as, a walking healing machine. Still healed them. He was patient with little children and their mothers. And finally, he remained patient through the suffering that he endured before he was finally put on the cross because the cross was the final bit he endured so much beforehand and yet despite the fact that he had the power and ability he didn't do anything about it he endured and I think that's a good example for maybe parents and children or grandparents and children we have the power but should we use it? And Jesus is the example there that not always. We are not naturally patient, (laughs) but here is the good news this morning. Both endurance and long-suffering are attributes of God, and they come from him. He is the one who gives us the ability to suffer long and deal with others without getting angered easily. And he is also the one who gives us the strength to endure trials and remain under them until his appointed time. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, 
and we have the Spirit living in us, perfecting the work God has started in us. We work in partnership with God as he develops this fruit in us. So I'm just going to look at a couple of ways we can position ourselves in such a way that we're working with God and not against him. First of all, we can thank him. Whatever situation you're in, whether it's a thing or a person, thank you, God, for my husband. Thank you, God, for my grandchild. I'm going to need that next week. (laughs) Thank you, God, that I have a car and I'm able to drive. Look for the thanks in the situation or with the person first. What that does is it starts to slow you down. Seek his will. Look for what it is that he wants you to do. Need that a lot next week with the grandchildren too. But actually, we all need it. Make sure that what you're suffering or having to deal with isn't something of your own making. Is it something you have done or you have... I don't like to say sort of you've sinned, but... It could be that the consequences of something you have done is causing you to suffer a trial or a problem. So maybe you need to sort that out first. And then slow down a bit. Think before you make decisions. Take a breath before you say to the grandchildren, well, you can't do that today, and then think, oh, that's a nuisance. That's ruined my day. (laughs) Think before you do something to your spouse or say something that you'll regret later. Just slow down a bit. Trust God. Trust that he loves you. He knows what he's doing. He knows you. He knows you better than anybody else on this planet. He knows what he's trying to achieve in you. He knows what's coming up in your life and what he needs to prepare you for. It's that nothing is wasted with God. It's all preparation, uh, ultimately, so that we can go to heaven and be with him. And then sometimes if we find the first one's a bit difficult. Know his promises. So read your Bible. Pick up the promises. There's hundreds, dozens. We could pray them now, and that would be the end of the service next week. They're there for a reason. They're there to help us. And they're all part of this interlinked learning about patience, and endurance, love for other people, trusting God. It's all, you can't really separate it. It's like the fruit of the Spirit is not a tree with a 
a patience fruit there and a love fruit there and a joy fruit there. The fruit of the spirit has got the fruit salad hanging off a branch. It's the whole lot. I'm going to leave you now with one of the promises that maybe you should take to heart and if you don't know it already, to learn. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm going to hand over to John now, but I will just pray for us all. God, you have taught us so very much, and we know quite a bit, we think, anyway. I do pray that the knowledge that we learn about you will invade our hearts so that we can live it and be it, and that it doesn't just stay in our heads, but it becomes part of us, and that you continue to work in us through your spirit. Thank you that it's your work, God, and I pray that in relationship with you, you will continue to keep us growing. Amen.